thank you um, for all the you know the, the help and Sally and Alex man y'all do a great job uh, Kaylin in the back um, doing a great job filling in this morning um, and just want to remind you guys so Wednesday the 22nd so Wednesday before Christmas so we're not going to have a regular morning service not going to have a service at all on Christmas Day that's going to be Wednesday all right so I think um, we're I think we're saying 5:30 all right um, soup and salad is that what we soup and is that what kind of we're doing um, and so 5:30 um, service we'll eat afterwards so uh, does that sound good I mean sound good yeah okay all right okay um, so you can already see it uh, you know I should probably should have put a um, put a title page in there first uh, it was my bad Kaylin that I have it wrong uh, but anyway um, surprises all right anybody like surprises anybody not like surprises sometimes okay it depends on what the surprise is right yeah. Um, I'm not going to go into great detail of how difficult Sally is to surprise, but it's it, it's hard, okay? And so when I proposed to her, I did a really good job. But I'm not going to go into detail on that story, but I, I really did a really good job. Did a did a um, scavenger hunt, basically. Yeah. Okay, I got it. I got it. Um, but amen, amen. Thank you, got Jim over here. Amen, corner. Um, but but uh, I, I thought I would I thought I would share with you guys. I I, I could have I could have done so much more, y'all. I had to do my best to cut it down to five. Okay, but let me just let's just have some fun for a few minutes. So five of the funnier tweets that have surprise endings. So you can see you already you've already seen it. You've already read it. But uh, wife and I decided not to have kids. The kids are taking it pretty hard. Um, you know, just kind of a surprise ending there. I right, go to the next one, Caleb. Capitalization can really change a sentence. Example, I love to eat candy. I love to eat capitalization. Alex, you like that one, don't you, buddy? <laughs> Definitely changes things. My English teachers probably don't appreciate that today, but they're not here today, so that's all right. You know, that's okay. We can pick them. Uh, well, how about the next one, Kay? Roses are red, violets are blue, sunflowers are yellow. I bet you're expecting something romantic, but no, this is just gardening facts. This is all it is. All right, it's a surprise. Just a kind of a twist at the end. I thought, they're, I thought these were cute. All right, two more. Me licking lips in anticipation. I'm nervous. I've never done a bungee jump before. Instructor, don't lick my lips again. <laughs> kind of nasty, but funny nonetheless. Okay. All right. <laughs> Last one. Calm down, shouting museum, ma'am. Man, I think it's pretty obvious that I know how to ride a dinosaur skeleton. <laughs> Sorry, that's my favorite because I can just picture. Yeah, I want to. I want to get on that right now. Okay. Does that definitely sounds like something in my mind I would do if I were? How can I get on that right there? Okay, uh, but anyway, um, and so uh, I do want to say um, welcome. Um, I, I think the next slide, yeah, there we go. All right, that's what I should have had first, okay, but um, my bad there. But as you can see, we're taking a break, okay? We're going to take a little three-week break, okay, from the book of Mark, all right, which some of you are like, are we ever going to finish Mark? Because that's just something we're just doing forever. I, I don't know. I can't answer that question right now. But um, but we are going to do uh, three weeks, a little three um, mini mini uh, series here um, called "Finding the Christmas Story in Unexpected Passages." Thus, the surprise, uh, you know. And, and so, surprise, right? Here's our central statement for the whole series. So, go ahead, Kaylin. All right. Here's here's the uh, for the whole series. Okay, you can see the three stories we're going to. The Christmas story can be found in the passages about the parallel births of. Moses and Jesus, right? And then God providing manna for Israel, which will be next week, okay? And the bread of life that Jesus is. And then uh, probably that Wednesday night, um, it would, the, the expected manner we should have for the promise of Jesus' return. But again, kind of going to, I don't know if obscure is the right word there, but just 
not where you'd expect. We're not in Luke chapter 2. We're not in Matthew 2. We're, we're going to look at that Christmas story, the birth of Christ, in different, in different places. All right? It's kind of um, trying to, uh, be honest with you, try to find something different because I know sometimes you, we hear the same story, although it shouldn't matter. Amen? Um, but I, I hope that you, are, you all will be blessed uh, by it. And so the first place in the Bible that we'll go to is the book of Exodus. Okay, that's where we'll be today. And so today's central statement, so Kaylin, if you'll put that up there for us, is this one. And y'all know that Miss Dolores would love this if she was, uh, if she was here. Um, as we take a brief look at some parallels between Moses and Jesus, we're going to see that God provided a mediator, a mediator for his people. Moses was a mediator for his people in Israel um, and Jesus for uh, all, all mankind. And we're going to see three things. They both experience humble beginnings. They escape murderous plots, and they emancipate people out of captivity. Now, uh, I know some of you are probably like, okay, I'm trying to think already. What are some of the similarities between Moses and Jesus? All right, all right Patrick, you're going to do all of them? No, okay, I'm not. All right, But I do want to share a couple uh, of, of things that you know we could have went to, but we're not. But uh, you know, they both were born to be saviors of their people. Okay? Um, both sojourned in Egypt for, for a time. For a time period, they, they spent a, a life in, in, there in Egypt. And then get the giving of laws on mountains, pretty interesting. Okay, um, I like that parallel. You know, uh, Moses come down from a mountain, all right, the Ten Commandments, and then Jesus up, uh, going up the, the mountain there. Uh, so, and I'm sure there's more than those, but we're going to focus today on the three that, that you can see on, on the screen, okay? And so if you'll go with me, all right, to Exodus chapter 2. And if you, again, I say this a, a lot, uh, the scripture is on the screen uh, from the CSB, but if there's different Bibles out there, the CSB, the ESV, or you can bring your own Bible there and read from it. But Exodus chapter 2, 1 through 10, okay? So now a man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with asphalt and pitch. It should have been very much a, a waterproof type thing there. She placed a child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Then his sister stood at a distance in order to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter went down to bathe at the Nile while her servant girls walked along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds, sent her slave girl, took it, opened it, and saw him, the child. And there he was, a little boy crying. She felt sorry for him and said, This is one of the Hebrew boys. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call a Hebrew woman who is uh, nursing to nurse a boy for you? Go, Pharaoh's daughter told her. So the girl went and called the boy's mother. Then Pharaoh's mother said to her, Take this child and nurse him for me, and I will pay your wages, which is pretty awesome. So the woman took the boy and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. And, and there's so much there that we could go, so, there, so many directions. Uh, I just love God's providential care through that whole situation, him taking care of, uh, of uh, baby Moses. And then the mom getting paid for doing the job. How, how many parents would like that? Any moms in the house be like, well, I would have signed up for that gig in a heartbeat. Boy, would I get paid for doing this? All right, uh, or changing diapers, no problem. All right, yeah, I mean, that would have been nice. That would have been a good reminder. Sally laughs at me when I talk about when I changed diapers. Oh, goodness gracious, boy. I had to have, to have like a mask. Like, I mean, sorry. Anyway, uh, but the, the, name, the name of the parents were Amram and Jochebed, okay, Moses' parents. A lot of times we don't talk much about them. Uh, his sister was Miriam, by the way, okay. 
Um, and, and she has a song there in, in the Bible, which is really neat. Um, his, he, his Hebrew name was Joachim, Joachim, okay? Uh, but they named him Moses, which in Hebrew means to draw out of water, which is exactly what happened. So the, the mother, Jochebed, literally placed baby Jesus in a basket and, and placed him in the Nile among uh, the reeds by the bank. And you can see that um, you know, there in verse 3. And she placed a child in it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. And, and, and while, again, we could go many places here, that one, as I prepared this message, um, really kind of got to me. Because you, you see um, how, how hard uh, that must have been. I can't even imagine. Right? What about y'all? Think about that for a second. You're going to put your child, your, your precious, sweet baby, all right, there in the water, in a little thing, a little container that's going to keep them waterproof, I guess, you know. And, and okay, I mean, we read it, and, and, and we just, okay, that happened. But can you imagine right, the, the, how, how tough that must have been? And, and I just love the fact that, that they used the word placed. The, 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 the language there is an idea of gentleness and tenderness. You know, it's not a, oh, here's the baby, and I'm going to throw him in there, you know, like uh, when, when Sally did to Kaylin whenever there was a fire at the house, you know, and... and uh, and she just was all right. I'm just playing uh, Sally, but you know. But anyway, I'm picturing that right now. But uh, you know, it was more of a um, there was a fire at the house, and that was my fault, by the way. And and she was just like, you know, when Kay was, was little, and she's like, well, we got, I got to go help Patrick, and so she just tosses her. You know, is that what you did? Was it ten feet? Or was it fifteen? Feet? I'm just playing. I'm playing, babe. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> She's like, Amen. Don't, that's not when you say Amen. All right. <laughs> just playing, babe. But uh, I, I'm getting off track here this morning. But um, but seriously, the the idea is a very very gentle, very tender placing um, this this baby that she cared and loved deeply about. Okay, there. And so, um, but again, to have to give up your child. So, so we have, we have a, 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 a special male child born in very humble circumstances. Does that ring a bell? Does that sound familiar? See, we, we go, let's go to Luke chapter 2, which we are going to today, 4 through 7. Joseph also went up from the towns of town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So um, I, I got me this morning, I, I got me thinking about a, a song that's actually in our, in our hymnal on page 121. And it's not up there, Kaylin, it's okay. I want to read to you. Um, some of the lyrics of Thou Didst Leave Thy Throne. Anybody familiar familiar with it? No? Thou didst leave thy throne in thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. And then verse 2, Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming thy royal degree. But of lowly birth didst thou come to earth and in great humility. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. And then the foxes found rest, and the birds their nest in the shade of thy forest tree. But thy couch was a sod, O thou Son of God, in the deserts of Galilee. Beautiful song. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. Thou camest, O Lord, with a living word. 
They should set thy people free, but with mocking scorn and with crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. When the heavens shall ring and the angels sing, at thy coming to victory, let thy voice call me home, saying, Yet there is room, there is room at my side for thee. My heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when thou comest and callest for me. Amen. And so we, we hear uh, you know, the idea of Jesus leaving his earthly throne, I mean his heavenly throne, excuse me, to come to earth. At, at the poor town of Bethlehem, small town of Bethlehem, you know, can anything good come from there? Right? One of the, one of the, uh, the um, disciples will say later, right? anything good come from there? <laughs> anything good come from Jennings? You know? No room in the end, and then that part about having no room in the end, and then wrapped in cloths, just wrap them up and and place them. And I know a lot of you know this, but you know, in a manger, we 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 say that word and we sing it in songs. It was a feeding trough for angels, for for gosh, for animals. I will get this right today, Miss Jan. I will, I promise. Okay, pray for me. All right, uh, a feeding trough for animals. That was where how he was born, physically in this world. And in addition, before moving to the next point. Can we relate to this for a moment? Can, can, can anybody relate to not having much? I was, I was expecting to have an amen on that one. <laughs> amen. To not having much, to, 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 to feeling as if we're not really worth much, right? Um, to maybe just relating to humble circumstances, right? Uh, I, I got, just recently, I wa we watched a movie in my classroom right before Thanksgiving, uh, Remember the Titans, right? Uh, you know, while the, uh, I know, Coaches here. I, I, while the uh, the actual football footage isn't great, all right, the actual movie is wonderful. Okay, and, and I just think of Louis Elastic, big old offensive lineman, you know, and, and, and he's just not good in school. And the coach is talking to him, and he says, "I'm white trash, man. I I, I ain't gonna never get no C plus grades. I'm just down home, no good, never going to no college. White trash, man. I'm just nothing." All right, and, and, the, and so it got me thinking, you know, that, that again, we, we can relate to humble circumstances, right? And feeling, you know, what, what are we worth? Well, you're, you're worth uh, God sent his son uh, to earth and to die for you. That's what you're worth, amen? But um, I know two men who could probably relate, at least some, right, to that. Miss Moses and Jesus, so you're in good company. So as we take a brief look at some parallels, again, between these two, we're going to, I'm not going to read all that again. It's up there if you want to want to see it. The next point, number two, is escape murderous plots. Right? And so um, there's a lot here. Just stay with me, okay? Uh, Exodus 1, starting in verse 7. But the Israelites were fruitful. So, so as you notice, we're we actually going back, okay? Uh, so we read Exodus 2. Now we're going to go back and we'll kind of look at, at the context of where Moses was born, okay? So the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly. Let me go back in time a little more. Joseph his family was there, right? And then it grew from there in, in Egypt, Egypt, okay? But the Israelites were fruitful, increased rapidly, multiplied, and became extremely numerous so that the land was filled with them. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are in our own land, all right? And so, come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further, and when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. We have to admit, it's a pretty reasonable thought, right? Uh, you know, as for uh, a head, uh, the leader of a country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over to Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. 
made it work, made it hard on them. They built Python and Ramses as supply cities for Pharaoh. Verse 12, but the more they oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. They worked the Israelites ruthlessly and made their lives bitter with difficult labor and brick and mortar and in all kinds of field work. They ruthlessly imposed all this work on them. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, the first whose name was Shiphrah and the second whose name was Pua, uh, when, you, when you help the Hebrew women give birth, observe them as they deliver. If the child is a son, kill him, but if it's a daughter, she may live. What some awful news to get. Some, what, I got, wait, I got to do what? I got to kill a baby? Okay. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had told them. They let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked him, Why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very numerous. Since the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Pharaoh then commanded all his people, You must throw every son born to the Hebrews into the Nile, but let every daughter live. And it got, it got me thinking about, um, you know, the, when you read that, the, the, how Germany treated uh, the Jews. And uh, there was a quote here by Goran Larson. It says, the, the gradual escalation, and that's kind of what I want you to see right here, in Nazi Germany, from hate propaganda to trade boycott, uh, the banning of Jews from certain occupations, uh, the steps toward racial segregation, and then the open violence of Kristallnacht, uh, the ghettos, the labor camps, and finally Auschwitz and the so-called final solution are certainly unique in their ghastly dimensions, he says. However, the basic pattern can be discerned, discerned in a tragic drama enacted 3,000 years earlier. The, the idea is this, this progression. Uh, the, the, and then you, you see that in here, this new king seemed to be jealous, right, of the Israelites and was worried about their numbers and their prosperity. And so first he made the Israelite slaves, right? Then you see the progression here. And, and, and then they, he told, well, that didn't work. So uh, then he told the midwives to kill the Hebrew boy babies. And then Pharaoh reiterated the command to kill the boy babies by specifically telling the people to throw every Hebrew son into the Nile River. So you see the progression. And, and, and as I prepared this, I, I said, that will preach. You know, as Riken said, this is oftentimes how evil spreads unless it's stopped. See, it starts, he says this, what a man at first only dares to do in private, he gradually becomes unashamed to do even in public. With the result that many other people get pulled into the abyss of evil. We've seen it. Okay? So be careful. And watch your heart and check your heart. And this is the backdrop of baby Moses and when he was born. So we have an evil ruler who is afraid of losing control, exacting genocide on a large group of people. Sound familiar? Right. Y'all getting it? Okay. Sound familiar? Yes, Matthew 2. Go with me there. Starting in verse 13. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Notice the exclamation mark, which is, rightly placed okay all right you got to get up now okay don't hit snooze all right uh get up and go all right verse 14 so he got up took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to egypt he stayed there until herod's death so that what was spoken by the lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of egypt i call my son then herod when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men flew into a rage he gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet, was fulfilled. 
a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more, which is obviously a very sad part of the, of the story. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to, in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, which rightly so. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So we, we, we know uh, from this that this won't be the last attempt on the life of Jesus, right? Not the last time while he was on earth. Sadly, there were many who wanted him dead. And, and, and I keep going back to this thought of, of why. Why? Of course, we know it's all part of God's plan, and we get that. We understand. But, um, you know, physically speaking, you know, he's a threat. He's a threat. And, and um, you know, I, I can't help but think that um, my own life, before I gave my life to Christ, and how I thought of, thought of him the same way. And he's a threat. He's a threat to the way I do things in life. Well, I don't know if I want to put Jesus on the throne of my life. And that means i gotta, I got to be obedient. And, and that means I have to let go. i, I got somebody. I got to let him be in control. You know, and so I, I think that uh, continues to be uh, a big reason why many don't accept Jesus to this day. They don't want to give up control. They, Jesus is a threat to them. Right? Oh, he's so much more than a threat. Just embrace it. Just embrace it. Amen. And can the redeemer of the Lord say so? Right? Amen. So eventually these people get exactly what they want. But again, it was all part of the grander plan. And that brings us to the last point. Okay. Emancipate people out of captivity. Right? Oh, we, this is a great part here. Exodus 3, verses 7 through 10. And, and again, you guys are familiar, and I think you're already saying, okay, I'm seeing the parallels. Okay, it's, it's pretty, pretty obvious here. Exodus 3, verses 7, verse 7 through 10. Starting in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings. He knows about your sufferings, by the way. Amen. He knows about yours, too. Okay. And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Of course, we know the backstory there, the rest of that story is that Moses didn't, he didn't, he didn't think he was good enough. It's like, well, are you sure? Me? Can you just get somebody else? God, get somebody else. I can't do it. All right? And God's like, no, you're, you're the man. You're the man I'm going I'm to have. Do this job. And then Exodus chapter 14, so 11 chapters later, right, after we, we, uh, we go through the, the plagues, right? and the last one being the Passover, we have this in verse 29. But the Israelites have walked through the sea on dry ground. Another one of those things, I don't know about you guys, but I just, when, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, can you put that one on the big screen for me, God? Like, can I just see that? I mean, that, that, I, what? Okay. A million people at the Red Sea parted. And you, I, again, blows my mind. It'd be so much better than any type of movie, right? CGI that some movie can do, some movie director. Right? But anyway, um, but the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground where the water's like a wall to them on their right and their left. I can imagine. That day the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. 
When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed in Him and in His servant Moses. He rescued His people. He he helps uh, rescue His people and lead them to freedom. So although Moses, again, didn't originally think much of himself, he helped lead people out of Egypt, out of bondage. So in a way, again, he was a savior for the Israelites. Sound familiar? Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. And then Romans 7, Paul says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind and myself, I'm serving the law of God, but my flesh, the law of sin. And I, I can relate to his battle right there with, with sin. I, I, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Right? Who can rescue me from this? Because uh, as we've mentioned many times from this pulpit, right, we are slaves to sin. Right? Every single one of us. We have to have a rescuer. Can't free ourselves. Maybe. And we see this in John chapter 8, verse 34 and 36. And Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Is that everybody in the house? Yes, it is. Okay, everyone means everyone. All right? And then verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you really will be free indeed. So as we look at this again, we, we, we see that the, the, they're both mediators, Moses and Jesus. They, they both experience humble beginnings. They, they both escape murderous plots, and they both emancipate people out of captivity but while this is a conclusion it's kind of a longer one because again y'all said I could go to 12 no matter what we did with the time I'm just playing Chris all right so again I can't help but say that joke okay all right uh, I, every now and then I got to I got to recycle it all right, all right. Uh, but anyway a couple of things and we have looked at the similarities between Moses and Jesus and, and that's all that's all well and good um, but in no way are they even close hey uh, Jesus is so much more Amen. All right. We're not here to, to praise Moses. We're here to praise Jesus. So I just want to want to just make sure as we go through as we close out today that we see a few things. Okay. And so the first is uh, first is this. Go ahead, Caitlin. I think I have the verse up there. Thank you. Uh, they may have, they may have both been born to humble circumstances, and we established that. But Moses would end up living in the king's palace, which is pretty cool, um, but not as cool as Jesus. All right. Because Jesus is seated on a heavenly, eternal throne. Amen? All right. uh, Hebrews 12, 2. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that lay before Him, He endured a cross, despised and shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured a cross, and He, he defeated the sin and the grave and death and, 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 this, and Satan, and He's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise be to God. And then, while Moses was... A Savior, Jesus is the Savior. Don't, don't get it twisted. Okay, Moses was a, sa- a Savior of some kind, but he was not the Savior. Jesus is. Hebrews 3, verse 3 says, For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses. Again, let the, let the, let the Word of God speak so much better than me. All right? Just as a builder has more honor than the house. And then Jesus was no ordinary child. He was a son of God incarnate in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, the song that was sang before we, before we uh, preached this morning. John 1, 14, we see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observe his glory, the glory as a one and only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And while it's hard for our 
our finite minds to comprehend. I, we, we, I trust it and I believe in it. Right? That, that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And again, he he come in the flesh. And while Moses was Moses' name was significant, you know, uh, taken out, uh, drawn forth, you know, taken from the water, you know, which is really cool. Uh, the name Jesus is significant because he would save his people from their sins. Talk about a significant name, Amen. Matthew one twenty one. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Because that's was his purpose, Amen. But again, uh, as, as I'm going to ask Alice to come on up, none of this that we just mentioned matters if we don't receive Jesus by faith. See, the, the salvation offered by God and accomplishing history becomes our salvation whenever we do this. The question is, can you trust God the way a desperate mother once did whenever she put her whole heart in a basket and entrusted to God? It's just the same thing. It's the giving up, and it's the I, I'm I'm putting my baby in there, and I'm I'm letting go. See, can 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 we can we do the same thing? If you've never done that, I encourage you put your whole heart in the basket of God's grace. Amen. Jesus Christ, do that today. And as we celebrate Christmas, I, I can think of no better thing, no better gift than you accepting the gift of Jesus Christ dying in our in your place. So if you've never made that decision, I pray that you will. And if you have, rejoice in it every moment. Amen. Be, be, uh, and I just want to add this today. Um, a lot of stuff going on lately. You know, you pray for me, please. Uh, I definitely need it. Um, and I'm just, for whatever reason, just drawn to this idea of, of just um, God is faithful. He's faithful. Uh, and, and I'm, we're so blessed. And some of the things that people go through, right, uh, you know, just breaks your heart. And you're like, man. I'm I'm so fortunate, you know. I'm I'm so blessed to have what I have, and, and you know the family that I have, and the church that that we have, and just just incredibly blessed. And uh, I, I, if you ever, ever get a chance, listen to the song "Steal" by by Stephen Curtis Chapman, you know. And and Stephen Curtis Chapman lost his his uh, little adopted baby, you know, adopted little girl, and it was by an accident. His his 16 year old boy ran over. You know, it was so sad. I get a chance to read that story, but he 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 just released a song within the last year. Still, I, uh, no matter what, I'm going to praise him. I don't understand, but I'm going to praise him. I don't have the words of the song here, but listen. But please, you get a chance listen to that song, and it'll encourage your heart because there's a lot of people going through a lot of things, right? But God is faithful. Right? And he's so beyond everything. He gave His Son to die on the cross for you. You can't give any more. You can't give any more. So I encourage you to to uh, to accept that uh, today if you have never, and to share it with other people. And next week we're going to look at manna and the bread of life. Okay. And so I hope that hope you've been blessed this morning. I ask Alex to lead us.